good morning, church. My name is Camille Maddock. I'm the associate pastor uh, here at Valencia United Methodist Church. And this morning, we're wrapping up our new Paseos series. We've been looking at the life of discipleship and faith through the lens of a journey. When we began this series, we started with the idea of identity, that knowing who we are, and more importantly, whose we are, is the first and most important step of our journey. And then we spent some time talking about uh, preparing ourselves for the journey. And Andy showed you that glorious and wonderful and magnificent spreadsheet uh, we used when we moved here. Incidentally, I want you to know that since he preached that sermon, we have used that spreadsheet at least twice to find items that were still remaining in the last, oh, I don't know, dozen or so boxes. In fact, there was one time that we couldn't find what we needed because someone had just labeled a box miscellaneous on the spreadsheet. I still think it's a good illustration for how faith doesn't necessarily require preparation, but how being prepared can help us on our journey. We've also talked about community and the strength we get from walking our faith journey alongside others, that our faith journey is not just between God and us, but between God and us and those who surround us. And last week, Andy talked about those moments when we need to reorient ourselves, when we have to spend some time recalculating our journey so we can go back on the path that God would call us to be on. And this morning, we're going to focus our attention on our destination, why we are on this journey, where it is leading us, and how does knowing our destination help us on this journey But before we continue, I want to uh, pray. So will you join me for just a moment in prayer? Gracious God, we are so grateful to be in your presence this morning. Continue to move among us. May your spirit open our hearts and our ears to hear the message that you have for us. May the meditations of our hearts, may the words of our mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord. Amen. So this morning we're going to talk about the purpose of the life of faith through the lens of the Lord's Prayer. And this morning we'll specifically look at the version that is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, if you've ever prayed the Lord's Prayer from memory in some kind of ecumenical uh, setting, it probably went pretty, pretty smoothly until you got to the fourth line. You experienced an awkward moment somewhere around the forgiveness section. If you grew up Methodist, you're probably familiar and used the word trespasses. And it probably felt a little awkward to hear that scripture read with the word debt and debtors. But if you spent some time with the Presbyterians, debts made you feel right at home. There's probably some of you who don't quite get both trespass or debts because you've always prayed, forgive us our sins. 
But no matter what you pray, for some of you, the Lord's Prayer is an important and impactful ritual in your worship and your prayer life. I first memorized the Lord's Prayer when I was in elementary school. My grandparents had the Lord's Prayer in a variety of decorations around their house. There was a hanging framed picture and a ceramic tchotchke. I'm pretty sure there was a pillow with the prayer somewhere in the house. I decided that I was going to memorize it and surprise them when we prayed it in worship. I spent a couple days practicing, and then on Sunday I sat with my whole family and made sure to sit right next to my, grandfather, my grandmother. When it came time to pray, I closed my eyes, and I very loudly and very proudly began to pray the Lord's Prayer. I got all the way to hallowed be thy name before I completely lost track of where I was going. I jumped ahead, way past God's kingdom and God's will, even past requesting daily bread. I jumped straight into asking for forgiveness. I was so loud and so confidently wrong. I didn't even realize that I was making a mistake, but I did realize that people were not praying along with me. Not my grandmother sitting next to me, not my parents, not even my aunts and my cousins who were in the row behind us. Instead of praying, they were all trying not to laugh. It wasn't until I heard the, very, the pastor very loudly and very firmly pray, give us this day, that I realized that I had jumped ahead. But even with that rough start, I love the ritual of the Lord's Prayer. I find the practice of praying it in worship together to be powerful. I didn't always find it powerful. There were moments, especially during undergrad, when my campus ministry would pray it in worship, that I would find my mind wandering and my focus distracted. I once mentioned that to my campus minister. His name was Scott McKay. I told him that I felt like this, this praying ritual was meaningless. It felt rote and impersonal. And so he shared with me his experience of the Lord's Prayer. He said the ritual was powerful for him because he was so familiar with the words that it allowed him to relax. Instead of focusing on the right words to say, he could get out of his own way and let the Spirit reach out to God directly. God knew what was already on his heart, and he didn't have to find the right or the perfect words to express, express himself. I've heard it, prayer characterized as being to the soul what breathing is to the body. I think that's what Scott McKay meant. For the majority of the time, breathing felt natural and easy and without a focused thought. The pattern and the ritual of the Lord's Prayer was a way to let his heart connect easily and quickly and automatically to God. His soul didn't have to think of that connection any more than it had to think to breathe. The Lord's Prayer had become that kind of ritual for him, and it has since become that kind of ritual for me, a way to reorient and reconnect my heart and my soul to a God who is guiding me, who is leading me on a path of discipleship and faith. So I believe that the Lord's Prayer can serve as a guide for our faith journey because knowing where you are going on your faith journey is just as important as knowing where you are starting from. 
knowing the purpose and the hope of our faith life together makes a difference in how we live our lives of faith. When we can pray the Lord's Prayer, it can train our heart on the will of God. It pushes us, it encourages us to move into action. It's more than a prayer, it's a goal to strive toward. It's a call to action that we seek to live. It's a roadmap for our life of character and faith. You see, faith and discipleship were never supposed to be just about our own personal salvation. Faith is and has always been both personal and communal. Being a person of faith means that you're not just a person of God, but you are part of the family of God. It means that you have not only a relationship with God, but a relationship with all of God's creation. Faith and discipleship are not just about transforming your heart so that you can get to heaven, but transforming the community and the world around you. For Jesus, the greatest command was to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with your mind and your strength. But the second and equally important was to love your neighbor as yourself. It was never one over the other. Jesus talked as much about belief and trust in God as he did about bearing fruit, about feeding and caring for sheep, or that his disciples would be known by their love for others. Faith in action is an important part of discipleship. It was an important part in the early church. Look at what James chapter 2 says. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not not accompanied by action is dead. You know, this was a vital part of faith for John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church. He believed that the overwhelming grace and the love of God could not but help to create a response that sought to transform the world. He believed that good works were essential for the Christian life, that while good works cannot save us, those who have been saved will naturally produce good works. Wesley taught that Christian life was so much more than just a personal relationship with God that we would enjoy in isolation. He insisted that when your faith is real, it will result in good works, in acts of grace. That is our purpose, our mission. You know, slogans and mottos are important. They help us to know the purpose and the focus of a group whose motto it is. The United Methodist Church has a motto, well, it's officially a mission statement. The mission of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. But look, it doesn't stop there. The mission of the United Methodist Church is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. It makes it clear The life of discipleship doesn't end with our individual salvation. It sends us out to create the kingdom of God in the world today. It's a good motto. Fifteen years ago, I was on staff at First United Methodist Church in Santa Monica. 
They had adopted the motto of the United Methodist Committee on Relief to be their own. It is and continues to be this, be the hope. It's a call to get out into the world, to provide the world around you with the hope of a God who has not stopped and will never stop loving you, caring for you, calling all of us to live a life of love and sharing that love in practical and powerful ways. This, too, is a good motto. And then there's this motto, here for good. Now, I hope you're familiar with this one. This one is one of the seven things that we here at Valencia United Methodist Church know to be true. That faith becomes real when we use what we have to make a difference for someone else. It's a reminder and a call to put our personal faith into action to make a difference in this world. A reminder that our faith journey is not just about us that the destination that we're journeying towards is so much more. It's about the goodness of God for all of creation. It's about our part to play in that. This is a pretty good motto, too. You know, the Lord's Prayer is not just a prayer. It's a vision for life in the kingdom of God. It's an acknowledgment that there is injustice, hunger, that there is evil in this broken world. And it's an acknowledgement that the hope of God, that God has hope for all of his creation. It's a statement of faith. It's also a battle cry. It's a proclamation and a vow. And there are two key phrases in the Lord's Prayer that I think should serve as our mottos. The first is, thy kingdom come. The kingdom of God is the place where God reigns. It's both future and present in the world today. And when we pray, thy kingdom come, we're praying to become kingdom builders in the world around us. When we pray, thy kingdom come, it's not just about praying for God to take all the action while we sit passively by This is a missional prayer. We cannot pray thy kingdom come without stepping into that broken world as Jesus' disciples. The Lord's Prayer empowers us to participate in Jesus' work to help build the kingdom of God. And the second phrase connects directly to thy kingdom come. It's thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is a good motto too. Because this is both a request and a promise. We should not pray this lightly. Each time we pray for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, we are requesting that God guide and direct our lives and fix our hearts and minds on what God wants and not what we want. But we are also pledging pledging to follow God's will, to serve as God's instruments to make that will happen. We are praying and promising to let God use us to create heaven on earth. The Lord's Prayer is powerful because in it we accept God's invitation to play a role in building the kingdom, to examine the world around us and to ask, where is this in the world is, is not existing as it was created to be? It is a prayer 
where we invite God to give us the vision for the world as it should be and then promise to do work to make that vision become a reality. That's why the Lord's Prayer is a model for our faith destination. When Jesus teaches us this prayer, it's to help us understand that a life of faith is not just for personal salvation, but to help the world experience the kingdom of God here and now. As a part of being here for good, Valencia Methodist Church has a history of building the kingdom of God in its missional identity from the Christmas miracle offerings through the service of on-site families from family promise to sending lay missioners to Chaco Sente. This church has dedicated itself to building God's kingdom. Our lead team is dedicating specific time to identify where the Spirit of God is calling us now and next. But I want to lift up just a few ways you can partner with this faith community to become kingdom builders. The first is to know that each Communion Sunday we collect food to help support local food agencies. This rotates through a variety of local organizations, but it's one that happens each Communion Sunday. The second is our care for Bridge to Home and Family Promise, which provides support and resources and housing for those in need within our community. While the model has shifted, the need and the heart remain the same, and we as a community provide not just financial support, but there are opportunities to provide dinner and household items regularly throughout the month. And then finally, I want to mention the event that is coming up. On October 2nd, we will be partnering with Rise Against Hunger. This is an international hunger relief nonprofit organization that coordinates the, the packaging and the distribution of food and other aid to people in developing countries. We're seeking both donations and volunteers to help us package 10,000 meals to help fight hunger across the globe. This is a great event for people of all ages, for families of all sizes, and there will be the ability to sign up and to donate this Sunday during our fellowship time. But as we prepare to leave for worship and head out in the world, we do so knowing that we are called to both pray and to live the Lord's Prayer. And before we go, we will gather at this communion table. We will take the opportunity to nourish our body and our souls by these elements. When Andy and I were in seminary at Claremont School of Theology, our intro into New Testament professor uh, it was taught by a, a wonderful man. He was a passionate biblical scholar named Greg Riley. And one day our class discussion was focused on the Last Supper. Professor Riley made the argument that when Jesus broke the bread, when he shared it with his disciples and he asked him to do this in remembrance of me, he wasn't talking about what now has become our communion ritual. Jesus wasn't asking us to break bread once a month to remember his life and sacrifice. Jesus was teaching his disciples and us that a life of faith requires sacrifice. It requires action. It is not passive. It is actively participating in the building of the kingdom of God, even unto the point of sacrifices he was going to make. Do this. Live 
this kind of kingdom-building life in remembrance of me. So this morning, as we come forward, know that this is a table that is set by God. It's a table that is meant to nourish and sustain your heart and your soul. But the act of receiving elements is not what Jesus is calling us to do. We remember, we celebrate communion so that we can answer the call to live a life of faith that enables the kingdom of God to come for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Will you join me in a moment of prayer?